Psalm 4, it's a great text. Um, I want us to, to look at this this morning. We're going to walk through these eight verses, um, nine o'clock. Um, enjoyed it, so I pray that you as well um, just, just really are encouraged by this text today. I, I know I have been all week, and um, again, the nine o'clock crew seem to be as well. So over the last few weeks, um, we've been building a foundation of, of what does this life of living in freedom, what does it look like? And so we've been defining it and describing it. And so we, we, we saw last, or two weeks ago, where these great words of Jesus Christ in John 8, where he says that if you're free, you are free indeed. And so when you know Christ, you're free from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, which is death, and from this death grip of the enemy, we're, we're free from that because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we saw last week that this freedom we have isn't just something that's done for us in the past, but it's for now, it's for present day living. And that we can, can have hope, even in the mess uh, of life, in, in all the pressures of life, you and I can have hope for righteousness, Paul said last week, that one day we will be free from the pains of this earth, and we will be with Christ, and we will be with him forever, and we can have hope, and we can live in light of that hope as we wait till that day by the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith is what Paul said last week, and so that's how we experience freedom through the days of our life. And freedom has a mission, as we saw last week, to love and to serve others. And that's the end to what Christ has set us free for. But I want you to know today that freedom is not utopia. Freedom is not carefree living. It doesn't mean trouble won't come. There will be those times when the pressures and weight of life will press in, they will try to overwhelm us. And so what do we do? Because there will be those days when the load at work, it's too much. Where the kids will drive us to our last nerve. And circumstances might seem just too much to bear. And in today's scripture text, David, King David, gives us a picture of what freedom, I believe, looks like when we are stressed out when we're stressed out. And so as we look at this text today, I, I want us to see how do we deal with the stresses of life? What does freedom look like in that context? Because stress is real. Everyone in here this morning would say, I've got some kind of stress. I've got something pressing on me. And so look at verse one, and look what David says, because David, in the midst of stress, he has hope. And why? Why? And look at verse 1. He says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So David asked God to answer his prayers. And in David's prayer, we see that God is truly his great eternal hope. What does David know God as, as we see right here? As the only righteous one. That in who he is and what he does, God is right. He is right. And everything he does for his children, for his sons and daughters who have believed and trusted in him, he does right for us. 
He does what is good. David also knows, and you and I also know this morning, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is that's where our righteousness comes from as well. That we can say with David, yes, God, you are my righteousness. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, none of us are right. So welcome to the ridge this morning, all right? That none of us are right. The message of the kingdom of God is no perfect people allowed. None of us are right. But we can be made right. And there's only one way to be made right. The Bible tells us that that's through Jesus Christ. That there's this great exchange that happens when we trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. So why? So that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He takes our unrighteousness And grants to us his righteousness. And so David is full of hope because God is righteous. And he grants to us a righteousness that we cannot work for. A righteousness that we can't muster up inside of us. But only comes from God through Jesus Christ alone. And so we saw last week that freedom is hoping for righteousness. That God will come through for us. That he in the end who has justified us and made us right here on earth because of Christ. That he will make us right and culminate our righteousness in us seeing him and being with him forever. And that's our hope. And that's what Paul says last week. Remember he says that we're waiting for the hope of righteousness He described freedom as living that way, a hopeful life by the power of the Holy Spirit as we trust Christ for what he has done and what he will continue to do in and through our lives even now. And Paul says that's what it means to truly be free and to experience the freedom of God. And so David gets that. He calls out to God in light of God being righteous and his righteousness. And so what does he ask God to do. David remembers the grace and the mercy of God as he prays. He says, you have relieved me, God, in my distress. He says, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. He is pleading past mercies for present favor. And so what is David praying for? What is his prayer concern? Real simply, It concerns the stresses of life. The word distress right there, do you see it there? He says, you have relieved me in my distress. That word distress right there is this idea of a narrow place. The word distress literally means a tight place. And if you think about stress this morning, is that not what stress feels like? Where you feel like the weight of the world is just pressed in on your chest, even to the point so heavy sometimes where Anxiety sets in, and even some we've experienced anxiety attacks before. I mean, that's what it feels like, where you just feel everything just is closing in on you. And David says right here, he's experienced that. He's experienced stress to that level. The word also carries the idea of being imprisoned by grief and being imprisoned by sorrow. No doubt, maybe we felt that before with a loss of a, a loved one, whether a friend or a family member, or maybe even this, this past week when you, you got the news about 
Lisa, you, you just, man, just grief. And so we've been there. We, we get that. It also refers to this idea of also being surrounded or oppressed by others that are against you. So having these surrounding enemies. And in David's case, that's what he's facing. That's the source of his stress that he's experiencing. And so we think about that word distress. We get that. We get that. We understand that. We feel the pressure during the day. And listen to what David says, though, here. He says, God, you have relieved me. Interesting play on words here. Distress is this idea of a narrow space. The word relief right here is the word of open space, is open room, is a large place for me. God, you make a large place for me is the idea of what David is saying. So it's the idea of God takes this tight place and it becomes open. It doesn't necessarily mean that the the stress goes away. But it means in the middle of the stress, God takes this this pressure, this tight place, and he brings relief and and opens up things. That's what David has in mind. It doesn't mean my grief and my sorrow goes away, but what it does mean is God enlarges my heart to have joy and even comfort in the midst of it. And so that's what David has in mind here. And so David says, this is what God has done for him. He's experienced this before, and he is asking for it again, praying confidently as one who is expecting God's uh, positive response for relief as though it has already happened. Do we pray that way? David's praying that way. And as we look at this in verse 1, we see this picture of fellowship, this, this picture of what God wants to have with you and I, this relationship where we talk to him and and God hears us. God sustains us, he guards us, he protects us and keeps us. And so we get this beautiful picture of what fellowship looks like in the midst of the stresses of life. And so what's the source of our stresses? Look at verse two. David says, O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach. How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception or lies? You see, somewhere in the shadows of this psalm, in Psalm 4, trouble is lurking. And David refers here to the source of his distress. You see, David had enemies. Specifically, he, he had one that was a, a royal pain in his backside. His name was Absalom. It was Absalom and his, his crew And David says right here that they tried to turn his honor as being a godly king into bad reputation with lies. And so David, what he's going to do in verses 2 down through verse 5 is he's going to give some words of warning to his enemies. But I think also, and this is where you and I come in this morning, is I believe in these words are great lessons for us and the stresses of life. Because there's many sources to distress. David's was Absalom and his crew. But for you and I, the pressures and the responsibilities, they abound, right? We have different sources of our stress that try to bring us down just as David's enemies tried to bring him down. And so this morning, I mean, what, let's think about those this morning. 
Not to create tight space, but just to say, okay, God, this is reality. Here's what I'm dealing with. Just to identify, I mean, but, but we have financial worries, right? Financial concerns, meeting deadlines at work. I don't know about you, do you ever feel like in a week's time you, you never get done in a day or you never get done in a week what you feel like you need to get done and you leave work that way every day and you just, you just have that weight on you when you come home? Maybe it's a conflict in a relationship that just is, is wearing you down and, and, and heavy on your heart. Maybe it's, maybe it's grief. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe it's a habit that, that you can't shake. You want to shake it. You, maybe you've tried everything you can and you just can't shake it. Or maybe you, you haven't really dealt with it, and, and it, but it just knocks at your door and it's stressing you out. Or maybe it's busyness. And we all have different types of busyness here and there, but maybe just the busy flow of life is stressing us out. And David says in the midst of such, we've got to remember something. This is what he, is, he remembered. This is where his mind went. This is where his thoughts went. Look at verse three. It says, but, but, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. And so in the middle of our stress, in the middle of, of David's distress, he reminds us to remember something. And what is it? I think real simply we could sum up this verse and say, and remember the grace of God, right? Remember God's grace. Don't forget, know that the Lord has set you apart for himself, according to what David says right here, and that he has set you apart for a mission in life. The mission of freedom, as we heard last week, to love and to serve others. Yes, even in the midst of busyness and stresses and, and all the stuff that goes on, even in that, yes, God has purposes. Don't miss that this morning. And David says, remember that. God has set you apart for himself. He set you apart for a purpose. Remember his grace in the midst of the distress and he says right here, in the midst of that, I call out to him. And we've got to take that and just put that in our daily rhythm that we've got to call out to him. And that's what David did. He calls out to him. So don't forget the grace of God in the middle of the pressures and the responsibilities of the day that he has set you apart for himself, which is huge in itself, and he has set you apart for a purpose, a mission. And he wants you in the middle of your day when everything is just, man, you're just trying to juggle everything. You're trying to hold all the plates up in the air. He wants you to stop and commit everything, all your ways unto him. And that's what David does. But look at this. So verse four and verse five, the stress is gonna be there. I mean, the word is today, isn't it? You're going to walk out of here and, and you just all, all of a sudden have this stress-free living, you know? I mean, that's not it. But what David says next is, is be stressed, but don't do this. And listen to what he's going to tell us that this is. Look at verse 4 and 5. He says, tremble. That word tremble right there is an interesting word. It, it means kind of be agitated, anger, frustrated. I would even... Connect it back up to the distress in verse one. So be stressed, but 
Do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. And so David right here seems to be saying, be stressed, but don't sin. Now, remember, these are also words for his enemies, but I think lessons that he's learned and lessons for you and I. And so I think he would also say to his enemies, you can be angry and frustrated and all that kind of stuff, but don't sin. Don't follow the, you know, your life into sin. And I think he would say to you and I too, if there are things around us that would cause us to be frustrated or even to the point of anger, just as we hear in the New Testament, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. So David says right here, be stressed. (laughs) Pressures are going to be there, but in that, don't sin. Now, it's interesting. If if you look at verse 4 and 5, he says don't sin, but at the end of verse 5, he says instead do what? Trust in the Lord. And so David right here is referring specifically to sin as what? Unbelief, right? Unbelief. Of not trusting in, not relying in on God, which is sin. And so when we think about unbelief, the opposite of trusting God, unbelief is is the root, it is the essence of all that is evil. Sinning grows out of what? Unbelief. The root of anxiety is unbelief unbelief. And so in our stress and the pressures of life, whatever they may be, David says, trust God. Trust him. And this morning we might be saying, yeah, dude, no duh. But when you get in the midst of it, what do we do? Are we really trusting God or are we trying to take matters in our own hands? Are we turning to other things rather than to God for that relief that God can only bring? And see, you see, for some, it's, it's in the stresses of life. I mean, we're, not, we're not trusting God, but we're going to turn to other things to, to cope and to, to, to try to handle it, whether it be drugs or whether it be turning to the bottle or, or even turning to porn or whatever to get that release or even to food, and and coping with these other things, and and depending on these other things to give us a relief. But those things, what do they do? They just enslave us all the more, and bring even more distress. And so what David says right here is, okay, in the midst of it all, in the midst of all the pressures, because guys, listen, it's going to keep coming. It's, It's there. What does David say? Trust God for relief. Trust him to be your relief. And so don't try to deal with the burdens and the pressures of your day with anything other than the Lord and lay the stresses of life at his feet, trusting him with everything, even if it just seems impossible. You see, because that's the type of business that God's in. He's in the impossible business. So he says in verse, is that in verse four? Yeah, the end of verse four, he says, meditate 
in your heart, upon your bed, and be still. And then he says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. So Psalm 3 seems to deal with morning time, if, if you read it. Psalm 4 seems to deal with evening. But I think what David is saying here, when you lay down, I think maybe with the idea of maybe when you get up in the morning, when you're laying there in bed before you put your two feet on the floor, or when you go down at night, he's saying here, reflect in your heart on the Lord and be still. Give him your day and then when night comes, give him the junk and the mess of the day and, and, and all the anxieties that maybe are just weighing on you or the issues. Think about him. Bring them to him. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. You see, you and I are to reflect on the hope of righteousness, the grace of God, and remember God's promises in the midst of distresses. And there's one promise I, I want to reflect on this morning just to, to give you just a nugget kind of to, to take and hold that I want you to remember, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, he says something that I think is, it, it is perfect for what David's doing with here, what you and I, I think, when it comes to the stresses of life, need to hold on to. Paul says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? He's not asking a question, but he's basically saying, is there is power available, surpassing power available to those who believe? And he says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of God's might, which God brought about in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so what is Paul saying here? Paul's saying God is powerful and he's working for us. And that's a promise. It's a promise that you and I can hold to. And God's power means that we have this eternal, unshakable refuge in God no matter what happens here on earth. No matter what happens in our day. And that, and that confidence is the power of radical trust, of radical obedience to the call of God. And so the question is, is there anything more freeing, anything more strengthening than the truth that God is our refuge? And that all day, every day, in the ordinary and the extraordinary experiences of life, is there anything more freeing than that? That he is our refuge. And so, what if we really let the truth of God's power, as Paul refers to, get a hold of us? The power of God means refuge for his people. And so when you really believe that your refuge is the power of God, when we believe that, there is a joy, there is a freedom and a power that overflows in a life of this radical reliance, this radical obedience to Jesus, no matter what stresses or pressures come. Because they'll keep coming. But we have power. And God is working for us. He's working on our behalf. So practically, how does that look? I mean, reality is, how, how does that look? Because that all sounds good. But how does that look? Here's how I think one way it looks. You, you've had a long week. It's Friday. And the work week is supposed to be done. But you know in your mind, in your heart, there's a lot of things unfinished. 
and you're just weighed down with the thoughts of all that didn't get done. Anyone ever been there? <laughs> you got that to-do list, and it was there at the beginning of the week, and then all of a sudden, it grew, right? It just kept growing. And so you walk in the door, right? And you got kids playing, and they're loud. And you're agitated, right? And then maybe, guys, if this is you, you walk in and, and maybe your wife says, well, something broke today and we need to fix it, right? I mean, or fill in the blank. And it's real tempting at that point, what? To do what? To just, you know, hug her and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get right on that and, you know, and, <laughs> and oh, thank you for letting me know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, the temptation is this outburst of, well, let me tell you about my day and everything that I didn't get done. And I mean, we get agitated, frustrated. I mean, that's where we go. And so here's where the rubber hits the road, right? Is trusting God, like David says right here, it, we're trusting God in his power in these types of moments, real life, everyday, ordinary, extraordinary type stuff, we're trusting him to work for us. And so what does that mean? So it means in the midst of that moment, when I walk through the door, you walk through the door, whoever it is walking through the door, and you've got all that built up, and then you walk in, and you want to blow up, but instead of doing that, you trust God, and what does he do? This is his power at work. He gives patience. He gives gentleness. He gives an abounding love completely outside of us that is only found in him. And he gives us patience. So we don't let anger turn into sin. You see, it's the power of God to give you relief and the different rhythms of life so you don't sin, but instead you, you trust God. I love it. One of my professors in college, he was a church history professor, and I learned a lot. And I, he was great. His name was Dr. John Hanna. And every day at the end of class, he would say this. You knew when he was done, he would, he would wrap it up with this statement. He would say, well, well gentlemen, ladies, I'm going to go to my car after this class. I'm going to get in it. I'm going to stop at the same, same stoplights on the way home. And on that one last stoplight, there's going to be trash can and I'm going to roll down my window and I'm going to throw the junk of the day in that same trash can so that when I get home, I can kiss my wife and love her like I should. And that just always stuck in my head. Sure, he taught a lot about Calvin and Luther and all that good stuff, but the one thing that stuck in my head was the junk of the day being tossed in the trash can so that I can go home and love my wife. You see, the power of God is for moments like that. It's for the real moments of life that you and I would trust God so that we don't just blow up <laughs> because the pressure is too much. 
And then David says this, last three verses, let's read them all. He says, many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine abound, in peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me to dwell in safety. So David is confident, even though others are sitting here asking, when will good days come, right? You ever been there? Can I get a good day? I mean, that's, have you ever been there? That's what people around David are saying. It's like kind of, you, know, you remember Eeyore, like Winnie the Pooh? I mean, that's kind of what I think of, Right? Uh, you know, it's just this. When will good days come? But we've been there. You've, I've been there. We, we've, we've been there. And David asked God to grant to him and to others favor for the stressful days that we live in. And we've got to remember, guys, we've got to remember promises like this. Romans 8, 28 says that God causes, get this, God causes all all things, right, to work together for good to those who love God. And so even though others are against us or we are facing the pressures of life like David did, we can have and we can experience to what David says right here, true abounding joy and peace because we know that God will sustain us, he will strengthen us, he will comfort us, protect us, he'll provide for us and that by his power he is working for us. And David says this makes one lie down at night, not with anxious hearts, but with peaceful ones. So in closing, and lastly, how do you and I experience God's relief in the stresses of life? I'm gonna give you eight very quick things, and I'm just gonna just give them to you. And here's what I thought about. I, I thought, okay, if I'm sitting there, what, what do I need to hear? I mean, so just, just so you know, just, just kinda how my thought process went on this. If I'm sitting where you are this morning, with stresses coming here, there, everywhere, what do I need to hear so that I can go out and, and, and navigate through the pressures of everyday living? So, so, so here's just real simple. First thing, and, and some of these are just real simple. The first one is, is pray. <laughs> That's what David did, right? He gives us the example. He's the model for us here. He boldly trusts in God. And so pray. I think also what that means within this first one is ask others to pray for you. I can't tell you how big that is just to have others lifting you up in prayer. Ask others, share with them the pressures and, and the stresses and just say, hey, will you pray for this? This is weighing me down or this is pressing in on me. Will you, will you pray for me? The second one is, is commit to be in the word of God daily. This is so huge. You see, you and I, we overcome anxiety by battling unbelief with the word of God. That's our weapon against unbelief is the word of God and his promises. So we gotta be in the word. And so we have a resource online. Just We have devotionals every day. You can get there and you know, tap on them about 5 a.m. every morning. They're there. And you can read through Acts right now. We're in Acts 12 this morning. And read those, or, or man, just get in the word. We'll, we'll help you if you want some help on just, hey, what's a plan? Get in the word. 
If we're gonna battle in belief, that's, that's how you battle it. Three, this is huge. This might be one of the biggest ones. Three is this, stop idolizing productivity. Stop idolizing productivity. For way too many of us, our work and our busyness has gone to an unhealthy place. Where it rules. It just rules. So our work and our activities, what does that mean? It's got to take a proper place. So what that means is we, we got to sit down, and it could just be shifting. It could be reordering, because that leads us into number four, and that's prioritize, right? Prioritize. God must be everything, and then we've got to run everything through that funnel of what honors the Lord and pleases the Lord. And so if there are things that are robbing your affection for Jesus, then you've got to identify those things and either give them their proper place or get rid of them. And so you don't want weeds choking your relationship with Christ. So de-weed, prioritize. Number five, enjoy your family. Hmm. Throw the junk in the trash, get home, enjoy your family. So what does that mean? Laugh, <laughs> play, play. Men, 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 men. The greatest stress relief, one of the greatest stress reliefs, is getting on the floor and playing with your kids. Getting out in the backyard and throwing a ball. Getting outside and riding bikes with your kiddos. Enjoy your family. Your work will be there Monday morning. It will be there. When you come home, make time to enjoy your family. Number six, just a couple practical ones, exercise. Man, God gave you your body. He wired it specifically. He gave you the ability to do things, to exercise, to work hard, so that endorphins, I know this sounds scientific, but I learned this a few years back, how important this is. Endorphins need to go into your bloodstream. It's good for you. It has a good return. It reduces stress. And so just a real practical thing, man, take, take care of yourselves, exercise. And then the seventh one, eat right. <laughs> You're thinking, wow, these last two, you got a little weird on us. I thought we were getting all spiritual, and then... He went all, well, in my spiritual world, God made me and made my body and he made food and all that. And I'm supposed to glorify God even when I eat. So, um, but number seven, eat right. So here's what I mean by this in light of today's word it is this. Sometimes we turn food into this thing to give us relief from our stress. We turn to that. I mean, anybody ever like get to a place where you feel like, man, I'm binge snacking? And, and when do I do that? When I'm depleted, <laughs> right? <laughs> we got students over here going, yeah, me. I don't know if that's binge snacking. That, that might be growing. I don't know. <laughs> and other things. That, so, but, but I mean, in reality, we do that. And, and we got to be careful that that doesn't just become like this coping me mechanism. And then that, that becomes a trust issue. What are we trusting in? And so we got to be careful. So just be careful with that. 
And then eight, and lastly, and this, is, this just sums it all up, is look to Jesus for your soul's deepest satisfaction. Look to Jesus for your soul's deepest satisfaction. Psalm 63 will truly be done. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, God, and into the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. You see, the psalmist had God as his greatest and deepest satisfaction. And that's huge during the stresses of the day. As we close today, I want you to hear that Jesus brings relief when the stresses of life come. He does. He takes us to the wide open spaces when the tight, suffocating things of life come in. The greatest distress that we could ever have, though, is the distress on our souls due to our sin. And so the distress of that weight is greater than any other. And in the end, it can lead to doom. It can overtake us completely for eternity. And so today, if you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, to take the great weight of your soul's distress and to forgive you of your sin and to take your sin upon himself, if you've never trusted in Jesus for that, today I wanna, I wanna encourage you. Trust him. Trust him. To take credit of your greatest need, and that's giving you eternal life, forgiving you of your sin. Trust him today. Believe in Christ and his death, that he died on the cross for you, Believe in his resurrection, that that same power that rose Jesus up from the grave, it can raise us up to new living, a new life, just as we heard about today, where we trust God. So believe in Jesus today. Let's pray.